You're listening to the Date Smarter, Sexier podcast with dating and relationship coach, Andrea LaRosa, and my co-host and producer, Kanan John Dewey. Listeners, welcome back. We've missed you. We are starting season two with a fucking bang. (laughs) Fucking bang and pun intended, right? Honestly. (laughs) (laughs) So season two is going to be all about sex, Mm -hmm. sex, sex, and more More sex. sex. Because what else do we not like to talk about and think about and look up? I mean, wait, before we get into it, speaking Mm -hmm. of sex, I know you've heard, I mean, but uh, I feel like I should or should not talk about this because it's so recent, but okay. It's in the news right now. Sex Which worker, won't be current when- Yeah, that's why I'm listens. a little- yeah. So it's all good. It's all it's, good. Okay, Bring it up. Okay. Okay. So in the news right now, because our show today is about sex addiction. This is something that deals with sex addiction in a way. In the news, it was just announced that OnlyFans is going to stop- allowing, you know, pornographic materials to be on their platform. Now, in the last year during the pandemic, remember the girl, Bad Baby or whatever her name is? She was from the Mm. uh, Dr. Phil show and she was famous for saying the line, catch me outside, how about that? Or whatever. (laughs) Anyway, she became a millionaire in 2020 from releasing, you know, soft core, or I don't, I, I, I didn't subscribe to it, but OnlyFans is mostly known for, you know, people doing like hardcore, softcore, whatever, just sexual things for the most right. part. So she may, she even tweeted that she has become a multimillionaire and will be, and can retire if she wanted to right now from the sex work that she put up onto her OnlyFans page. Now, a lot of people in the industry I've been reading on Twitter and they've been complaining like, oh my God, I can't believe this is an attack on the sex workers. We've helped build this company to a multi-billion dollar company and then you just turn your backs on us. And it's just so funny how people's drive for sex and to see it can turn a girl into a millionaire and all she has to do is show her titties and maybe, you know, <laughs> penetrate herself a few times with a, a dildo or two. And it's just like, wow. What are your thoughts on it? Do you agree with pornographic material for one? Mm. So I think there are a lot more people out there not having as much sex as they would like mm. than mm. those who are satisfied. So think about it in terms of this. You have the types of people who are not having sex at all right now because they don't have a partner. Mm -hmm. You have the people who are too young really and just are curious about sex. You have the people who are having sex with a partner but are unsatisfied. Mm -hmm. And you have the people who have a partner who are just not getting enough of the sex that may be satisfying, but maybe they're not getting enough of it. So now they're turning to other ways to be pleasured. Mm -hmm. So when you think of all that big pool of people, that is, and I don't know specific numbers on this one, but just from what I've seen, I would say it's the majority versus the minority of people who are completely 100% satisfied in their sex life. Mm -hmm. Probably actually a really small number. (laughs) Yeah. 
So you're saying that a very small percentage of people are actually sexually satisfied within their lives. I it's think interesting. So. It's interesting you say that because I remember another statistic. I love statistics and, you know, like polls. I love all that shit. Like listographs and uh, the list that is a Twitter page called Listopedia or something where all they do is Mm. just post different. Anyway, there was one that said that majority of most watched porn actually comes out of either the Bible Belt or like states like Utah, where it's well known that, you know, Mormons pretty much rule run the state so i find it very interesting how in america specifically because we don't live anywhere else um the more repressed the people the crazier the sex the the the, the wilder the desire because i i feel like even for like on my side as a gay man sometimes i don't know how it is for women how freaky straight guys can get but I've come into a lot of situations where I'm just like, wait, you want to do what sexually? <laughs> and I was just sitting there clutching my pearls like, oh, my God, I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> it's just. I it's feel- funny you say America, though, because when I think about some of the other countries I have lived in, they are not obsessed with porn the way we are. But I also think they're a little bit more sexually satisfied. So what is it about the difference between Americans versus, say, Europeans? Is there more or less, like, when you were there, did you Mm -hmm. feel like the vibes were, like, what was the overall tone of the people? Because here in America, there's a very Christian, very, you know, I, I I do good by my neighbors, yada, 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 all that here. What was the, the undertone of majority of the citizens when you were there? So I find that they are a little bit more open. Mm. They are open with their sexuality. When I lived in Italy, um, they're a little bit more open to being in an open relationship with their partner. Um, mm-hmm. They're very honest about it. Not all of them, but some that I have met were like mm-hmm. that. And I think that not everything is sexualized. So for example, you know, you go to the beach and there's topless women and they're, men don't think twice. It's just no different than them being topless. They don't yeah. look at you sexually. Yeah. They just don't, they don't oogle at like we bodies do here. the way we do. Yeah. Like yeah. we've never seen a naked body before. Ooh. Because almost it feels like we don't. I mean, yeah, it's more... Mm-hmm prominent in our movies and in our television shows but for the most part and for the majority of time I mean up until what was it the 19 like 50s or something men and women slept in separate beds on television so there was really no images of sex and desire unless you went to visit the museum and you know looked at the Greece art from Greece or like Egyptian or whatever but I just feel like you know in America I mean, it's one thing that to, to go into the whole gay world, but just in general, for the most part, it's always been like this fairy tale, like man meets woman, they fall in love, and then a baby magically manifests out of nowhere, and then you get a house and you live happily mm-hmm. ever after. And I feel like because of that, it leads to sexual addictions and weird sexual desires because you're you're having to create this world on the side of your life to be able to get some kind of satisfaction. Mm-hmm. But then what happened with that satisfaction just, you know, goes away. And then I can see it turning into like a sexual addiction, like, you know. 
Right. It's interesting that we're doing this episode today because I've been reading the book, The Truth mm-hmm. by Neil Strauss, the guy mm-hmm. who wrote the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I read the game years ago. I reread it maybe two years ago um, because it's pretty prevalent in my industry. There's a lot <laughs> of men who read that book and think it's a how-to. It's not a how-to. Wow. And then he wrote the book, The Truth. And the truth kind of talks about how his experience during writing the book, the game, he is a sex addict. He is going through therapy in the book. He's talking about his experience going to therapy for a sex addiction and not understanding it. Mm -hmm. And it was just really interesting timing that I happened to be reading this book and this story about this very well-known person. And here we are starting our season two, talking about sex addiction. So I'm excited to talk to our guest today. I think she's going to have so, so much insight for us. Is she here? She's here. I'm going to let her in. Yay. Yeah. So I'm hoping that she can fill us in on all kinds of information when it comes to sex addiction, cheating. The list of questions I have for her is just ridiculous. So hopefully I have time to ask them all or we'll just have to beg her to come on again. But which will always be nice. We want to welcome you back before we even formally start talking to you. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, Erica. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I appreciate it. Hello to both of you. Thank you for having me. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Yeah. The whole uh, online mic checking thing that we all do now that we all like, this is like COVID protocol. Like when you get on a video call, can you see me here? Yeah. Honestly. I, I kind of love it and hate it. It's like, yeah. I love it because I get to be home and re- uh-huh. remote, but then I hate it because you do kind of miss like the human interactions of just, you oh, know, yeah. Breathing near another person. <laughs> Seriously, we lost so many interactions. We lost all of like I, I was breaking it down for a client the other day. I was like, you don't even realize like how many human interactions you lost. I said, think about that last day of work that you spent actually at work. The barista that you used to go see all the time, mm-hmm. the, the the bar that maybe you'd went to happy hour more often, mm-hmm. the, yep. all of these interactions with all of these people that maybe weren't necessarily close to you, but you were, you had a pattern, you had a ritual, yep. you had a, things that disappeared like into uh, the, into the, into nothing to, to not return uh, at least yet. Yeah. Still my heart. I know. I know. So I y'all like- keep my clients keep asking, why am I still so tired? I'm like, because we're still in the panorama. Like we're not, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not over yet. Like it we're really not isn't. done. And it's like we got like a giant cut and we have barely got some stitches on it. We keep mm-hmm. popping them. We keep popping yeah. the stitches. Yeah. So yeah. it's not we think the neosporin is going to help, but it's not. It's really not going to help. <laughs> yes, sadly. <laughs> so I'm dying to jump in. But before Let's we dive in too deep, I think there's a lot of confusion on how people define sex addiction. So sure. could you start with what the clinical definition would be? Okay. 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 Let's, let's, let's start. First things first. Um, I don't. I don't know if they they know the folks listening. So, I am a clin- clinical mental health therapist. So my master's degree is in clinical mental health counseling, and I'm currently getting my dis- doing my dissertation 
in clinical sexology. So essentially, uh, I am a giant brain and sex nerd. That is what the all of those titles mean. And for a living, I, I see people individually and in groups helping them with whatever mental health issue is or whatever sexual health issue they may have. So that's what I do. That's what my background is. That's awesome. So it, I get, you know, I get to, I get to talk about brains and sex all day. It's kind of great. It really is. It sounds great. I'm like, so intrigued. I'm like slightly (laughs) jealous, but not, uh, Yo, there's enough work out here. Come, come do this. Come do this. I believe you. Look at that nice cup of coffee you have. Yum. I I got some red Rubio's tea because I can't do caffeine after a certain time where I can't sleep. Okay, that looks just as delicious. (laughs) Well, while you sip your tea, our listeners probably don't realize that Canaan and Erica haven't met yet. No. (laughs) This is kind of an introduction for them. Kate and I are friends already, though, I think. Right, we are. It's like, I feel like we've already, we've known each other. We've had coffee on Sunday. Well, me coffee, you, maybe something different. Cheers. But uh, cheers cheers cheers. to you. Yes, cheers. But no, seriously, we've been excited because we, we, please, I mean, Andrea just asked you like to break Mm -hmm. down sexual addiction. I want to know too, because I have so many confusing ideas about it. Like, I think it's just people who like to watch. We were talking about OnlyFans and that whole thing that's happened. Oh, oh, I'm going to do a bonus episode on my show just because of all of this that's come down about OnlyFans. Yeah. We can talk about that too, for Pete's sake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But can you like really explain to people like, what is sex addiction? Okay. So y'all are going to get a little bit of fire, fire probably from the comments that are going to be attached to what I'm about to to say. Sex addiction is not a thing. It's not a thing. It's not in the DSM, which is our diagnostic. I'm going to hold it up here. Hold on. Mind is already blown. Y'all can't even see it. Y'all can't even see it on your listening, but it is not in this book, this giant book that we use to essentially diagnose people with whatever that they are, whatever's happening for them. Oh, it was, snap. It was considered to be added to the fifth edition, which is what was in my hand of the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Health Disorder. Now, let me tell you something about, I, I could be here just for five days on this. So the, the DSM, its entire function is to give us codes of vernacular or language to be able to speak to other professionals or insurance companies, be able to treat people for specific mental health issues. Ultimately, many of these diagnoses, their labels as, as much as they're important for language and how we describe things, mm-hmm. ultimately does not describe the entirety of human suffering, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's just keep that in mind. <laughs> now, sex, I say sex addiction, it is not a thing because it is not a substance. Gotcha. Does that make sense to you? Yes. It is not ah. a drug. Sex is not a drug and it is absolutely wrong to equate the two because then you minimize the experience of those who actually have substance abuse issues, okay? Which we do have evidence that substance abuse is not only a biological, but an environmental and sociological problem, okay? But sex is not. Sex is part of our biological functioning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's how we all, can I swear? 
Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. It's be how yourself. we all fucking get here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now, can we have problematic sexual behaviors or out of control sexual behaviors? Yes, absolutely. Mm. And I'm going to describe to you what that could look like because mm-hmm. I have, um, I, yes, I have my own practice. I have my entire group practice. So uh, I, I train therapists to do the work that I do. Mm-hmm. So y'all come to the Center for Mental and Sexual Health entirely online, online before COVID. So we got this. It's all, it's old news to us. So come and see us. And what's the website? Mentalandsexualhealth.com. <laughs> and we'll make sure we put it in the details of the podcast too, so everyone can get access to that. I appreciate that. And um, I, I'm kind of stoked because, uh, spoilers, uh, Andrea, Andrea's going to come on my show too. So y'all, nice. I would take, I would take Kanan too. I'd take you both. I yeah. We can come both. as a package. Yeah. Too. That would be so fun. That would um, be actually be really cool. I like that idea. Uh, but anyway, yeah. uh, as far as problematic sexual behaviors, these can be, these can look like behaviors that are actually interfering with your life. Mm-hmm. Like you can't get through the work day without masturbating for time. Mm. Like you can't get through an interaction with another person without running to the bathroom and masturbate. Mm. Those are problematic sexual behaviors, but they are not an addiction. Mm-hmm. They are tip- the, typically the root of those are, is another reason, like whether it be anxiety or another mental health issue that has been untreated mm. for a long time. Okay. Mm. Now. So it's a symptom. I, 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 yes, in a way, yes, it very well could be like, a, it's kind of like, it is definitely a red flag, right? Okay. Like, it's like, Hey, Hey, something's not quite right. Something's going wrong. We need yeah. to figure out what's going wrong. Gotcha. So like, for instance, I've, I've worked in the prison setting. I've worked with those who've committed sexual crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, that we've put, we, <laughs> we see problematic sexual behavior as a result of isolating people for a very long period of time. <laughs> Guess what happened oh, to all of us? We've all been in isolation, not the way that we do it in prison, but we have been isolated for quite a long time. And that really can mess with what, what we perceive our ideas of what our normal life or our normal behaviors would actually look like. Yeah. So like when we put somebody who is in, we put somebody in solitary confinement in a prison setting, Oftentimes they will masturbate a lot. Why do you think they might do that? Just, just off the top of your head. Why do you think they might do that? Boredom and anxiety mixed together. Yeah. But probably if you turn it up to the, the, you turn the dial up to 12 because we are fundamentally meant for connection with other humans. We are meant for it. It is how we made it across the savannah and hunted down the woolly mammoth. We would shove a woolly mammoth over a cliff and then truck the meat back up the hill. <laughs> mm-hmm. But we did it as a tribe. Yeah. Right. And when you get kicked out of the tribe, so isolated, it feels like to our biology and our whole body like death because mm. you've been isolated from the tribe. How did we get food before? right? Like how did we do that before? So if we isolate people and put them away and don't ever want to look at them, it, it makes our minds do strange things. Do you think then people are going to be 
overly sexualized right now coming out coming out of the pandemic we're not coming out of a shit let's be honest no i i think uh i mean there was definitely there's definitely been people who have um like researchers who have been kind of positing like we're gonna have a roaring 20s uh we ain't there yet i don't know i don't know who's roaring but i'm i'm still in my house a lot of the time so i don't know about y'all I think people are still scared in a way, like yes. we're like tiptoeing outside. So we put one toe out. They were like, mm, it's okay. But now they're telling me Delta might wipe me out. I'm gonna go back inside. Yes. <laughs> right. so, yeah. Well, think, uh, think about it. Like we, we actually have a threat system that, that we have a, this wonderful part of our brain called the amygdala. It is the actual smoke detector of the brain. That is mm-hmm. what it does. And it is primary. That is its primary reason for existence. We have now put together our threat system with connection with other human people. That's messing with us. And the level of stress hormones that is running through our bodies for the Mm -hmm. last year and a half or more is significant, which when that amygdala goes off, it's like, yo, there's a cheetah. You need to be aware. Mm -hmm. Shit's going down. You're going to run. You're going to play dead Mm -hmm. or you're, you're going to fight. You're not having sex. You're not pooping. You're not eating. You're not doing mm-hmm. any of those other things because your body and brain is primed to do one of those three things. Mm. So of course our sex drives are in the toilet. <laughs> so of course we don't feel like doing a whole lot else because our threat system is like, yo, this ain't it. <laughs> so <laughs> we're I'm like tired. collectively exhausted together because yes. of this pandemic in a way. Yes. You know, I have to say, I've been feeling lately like my libido has been going. Like there was one point last year where it was it was pretty spiked. That was when I started to feel like freer, like around the summertime. You're like, okay, no more right? masks. When, we all, when the numbers out, came fun. down, we were all like, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. These, and I was feeling like real confident, real sexy. And then mm-hmm. once that uncertainty came back in, then it's like oh it explains so much hey your amygdala is like the cheetah's back (laughs) we'll be ready (laughs) like that's what's happening like in in our brain like but we don't want to circumvent that threat system it (laughs) is made to keep us alive like we need it (laughs) and it feels like there's this need this physical need but at the same time our brain is saying yeah but it's Mm -hmm. not safe yet don't do it don't do it and I think that's where a lot of people are struggling even just with dating if you're single if you have a partner who cares but if if you're single you're just screwed and not in a good way yeah Yeah. in all the fun ways that right that we were doing in 2019 i mean could this this type of situation i mean i know sex addiction is not really a full on thing but Mm -hmm. this isolation that people have been feeling i've been experiencing not just feeling but experiencing Mm -hmm. could it have high end or um may people want to get into like exploring looking at more pornography exploring more fringe type mm. sexual activities and stuff just purely out of boredom like is does the, i mean if people masturbate more in isolation since we're technically free mm-hmm. because we're not in prison does that cause people to then want to do that like what drives that no. motivation sometimes it doesn't i mean it, masturbation is actually one of those it is a tool that we've been given like okay. it, i actually encourage people 
and again, I apologize if you're going to get some comments here. <laughs> uh, I encourage people if they're having a hard time going to sleep, let them to let themselves calm down and let themselves masturbate before they go to sleep. Yeah. I totally do this. It, it and is. I can't believe I just said that, but like, I totally <laughs> I, do I that. Do yeah. If I can't sleep, <laughs> yes. that, that is the one thing that like calms me and it nurtures me and it yeah. puts me to sleep and it's great. Yes. Yeah, it's I like love a it. sleeping pill, that one. Yeah. It, it is, it is our quickest access to mm-hmm. the best brain chemicals we've got. Like it is incredible that we can mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. How freaking cool is that? You know, we is, can do that. Why do you think some, some, uh, not to pivot the conversation, but just uh, mm-hmm. an objective opinion on this. Why do you think so many different cultures and religions around the world mm. kind of require its members to suppress that? There's so much. Um, the, yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're definitely open. Up, we're opening up a very, very, we could be here just on this for the entire yeah. episode. That's true. The religious, the religious shame around sex is huge around our bodies is huge. I grew up in an evangelical Christian household. I am no longer an evangelical Christian. I am a person of faith, but I am not that because of the shaming and the essential, like your body is wrong. Mm -hmm. If you want to touch your body is wrong. If you have sex outside of this very narrow box that is wrong (laughs) and you Mm -hmm. are wrong, you are wrong. Like I'm part of the alphabet mafia. I don't know about either of you. Uh, I am a bisexual woman. My existence is wrong Mm -hmm. when it comes to very specific religious sex. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty gnarly shame that we have also tied to back to our, back to what we were talking about in the beginning a tribe, right? We have tied that shame. If you do not follow these rules, you do not get to stay in the tribe. Yeah. That's, that's a big risk, right? That is a huge. So I don't, I don't fault anybody. And I I don't, don't look at anybody and I go, I don't think like, oh, you're, you're stupid for being religious. Not that at all, because I I grew up in it. I know how thick that is and what it Mm -hmm. would actually mean to, to, say, no, this is not right for me. It's the whole tribe thing again. It's like yes. to break, I mean, for many people, that part of their life is such a huge part of their identity, yes. you know, from, from uh, rearing years through teenage years, they've had mm-hmm. a lot of like big moments and church members or whatever have been involved Absolutely. in those moments. So mm-hmm. of course I can see the pressure to, to still follow the tradition. But I also yes. understand that we are all humans and we all have mm-hmm. varied desires. Right. And I don't know. I feel like that shame that's being put on a lot of different people and a lot of different groups and just mm-hmm. women in general, honestly, mm-hmm. leads to a lot of these weird sex things in America. Like I was talking to Andrea earlier in the pre-show, we were talking about her experience in Europe versus here and how mm-hmm. in America, it feels like we're more repressed sexually and we're not mm-hmm. as open about our lives and, and mm-hmm. the human experience, which then leads to a lot of these interesting sex addictions and whatnot. Now, what do you describe as a sex addiction? If it was a thing, is it the process of masturbating a lot? Is it hooking up with people a lot? Like, what is it? 
So first and foremost, I don't even use the vernacular. So I don't even use the word sex addiction because okay. again, like it, it, it puts it, it, it puts it in the camp of uh, drug addiction. And that what is can we not, call it? That's a little bit more accurate. Well, and we, Doug Braun Harvey, uh, bless this man. Um, <laughs> he, he's done a ton of research and does he, yeah, I've, I've been trained by him and I know a lot of colleagues that have been trained by him. He's done a ton of the research around problematic sexual behaviors or out of control sexual behavior. So that's what we call it out of control sexual behavior because okay, that's what it control. is. Yeah. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Okay. So like if, 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 and it, that's a lot of words, <laughs> it <laughs> is a lot of words and it doesn't sound as marketable intriguing as sex addiction yeah or is marketable remember that there's money to be made there there's money money to be made and there's a lot of money that has been made off of that yes Mm -hmm. how many Mm -hmm. celebrities do you know well going to rehab going to rehab for their sex addiction addiction. (laughs) we were just talking about it in fact before we brought you in we were talking about how i'm reading the book the truth by neil strauss and how he's talking about um being having a sex addiction and being in rehab for it and so that's really what like caught my attention was that is I mean how do you define sex addiction but you don't so we're going to just call it problematic or out of control sexual behavior that is a mouthful it is it's a mouthful but it's also like the the sex the sex addiction camp because there's an entire certification behind that y'all like this is big business what we're talking about Mm-hmm. Um, that camp comes from the 12 step model, which is from the addiction treating drug addiction model. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So which they have mean? equated the two, but again, and again, when we scan the brain, when we watch these behaviors, when we go through this, it is not like drug addiction. Mm-hmm. They want to equate the two because it like they make the argument that it involves brain chemicals, but these are brain chemicals made for you by you. Mm-hmm. It's not like methamphetamine. It's mm-hmm. not like cocaine. It is not like any of the other people. Who it's are like, like no like, outside what about, substance. Yeah. What about, what about opiate addiction who, which has killed hundreds and thousands of, uh, of people around the world, but specifically American. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we're worried about, somebody masturbating too much and i just did quote air quotes for y'all because a majority of the time when i get a call from someone who says that they they are struggling with sex addiction it is usually not from the person it is from their partner mm-hmm. and their partner has already diagnosed it i love so when people diagnose so it's basically <laughs> someone who is you doing whatever my sarcastic it is face, doing. <laughs> and then their partner is like, I think you're a sex addict because you want it way too much from me. Or mm-hmm. some of those situations where I've heard where a couple opens up, becomes an open relationship, and then mm-hmm. one actually enjoys it a whole lot more than the other partner. And then mm-hmm. that partner gets jealous and then they accuse yes. them of sexual addiction. Yes. Or mm-hmm. the other thing I hear from people is somebody has a porn addiction mm-hmm. um, because they masturbate to porn once a day. And they see porn as cheating. Speaking of masturbation, (laughs) I'm curious because I've heard different things from different coaches out there, mostly Mm -hmm. dating coaches. And it really got me wondering how accurate their information is. They talk about masturbation in relationships. 
And from what I've heard, there is a divide um, amongst dating coaches of whether or not masturbating in while in a relationship is good, whether it's bad, whether it should be done, whether it shouldn't be done. And the look on your face, I can't wait to hear your response. <laughs> I can't even with this. I can't with this. And I, I love y'all. It's something I love about Andrea is that Andrea got an education, y'all. She, she got an education <laughs> and she doesn't step out of her lane. I, I love y'all dating coaches, but please get educated and make sure you're staying in your lane. If you don't know something or if you are not, there is no harm. I still to this day refer to people that other than myself, when I don't know a thing or don't work on a thing, yeah. it is okay. If you don't know a thing, YouTube cannot teach you everything. Exactly. It's <laughs> okay promise. to delegate sometimes. <laughs> so it's always okay. There's enough work out here. There's exactly. Work out. For everyone. Okay. So all that being said, um, it, masturbation is entirely an he- a healthy thing. Now, there are practices that are more spiritual practices that would argue with me. Um, there are people who practice certain kinds of different kinds of tr- tantra that call your, like for people who have penises and semen, uh, call it their sexual energy. And that if you use too much of it, you reduce your testosterone. Ultimately, hormones don't fucking work like that. Yeah, I would imagine so. (laughs) Our body is actually really good at regulating its hormones. And when it's not, that's a problem. And we should investigate it with science. Yeah. When when should you investigate it with science? Are there any like warning signs that you would suggest? Yes, absolutely. So as we age, and and for some people, it, it can happen where you experience like, uh, perimenopause very early. So there, there, and menopause is the, essentially the natural period of people who have vulvas and uteruses, mm-hmm. the period of time where our hormones start to very much tra- change because, mm-hmm. uh, our, our reproductive organs are starting to change and actually the body will eventually absorb them, which I don't know how many people actually realize that, that when you go through menopause, your body will actually absorb your ovaries. (laughs) Oh my God. If only you could see Kanan's face right now. (laughs) It is amazing. (laughs) Process that for a second as a male. Go ahead and process that. And then for, for those who have penises and, and, and testicles, um, you, you go through a change as well as you get through life, as you get through your forties into your fifties. Your, your hormones do change, but those hormones can be tested and they should be tested by somebody who is a qualified medical professional that is licensed, that is at, actually knows what they're looking at and knows what's typical and can suggest treatment. Can you say that again for all of the men who are listening, <laughs> who are approaching their forties out there that think they know everything? Oh my God. Could you say that please, one more time for them? Please, please, please go get your hormones tested by a qualified medical yeah. professional that knows what they're looking for. I did Amen. that. I I went because I was like wondering about my um levels and I went to my doctor and my, my testosterone levels were like in the 700s. No, I think it was like a thousand something actually. Mm-hmm. It was really high. I was like, holy shit. Yes. But um that's interesting to learn that about uh, 
uh, the changes in our body and how it just changes us sexually. I kind we of feel stop developing. We never people, people think that we stop developing is into puberty. Yeah. No, we have an entire rest of the development cycle that ends in death. Like that's yeah. how we all get through this entire life. Like yeah. it's not just sectioned off. It's yeah. an entire experience that we yeah. all go through. And I also want to say this too, that I think this might be helpful because there are absolutely hormonal issues that come mm -hmm. up for people. And they actually, um, I just, I just had, um, a friend go through something without saying too much information. Um, most people are unaware. Like they think that there's only two sets of chromosomes that we're on a binary when it comes to our chromosomes, like mm -hmm. XX and XY. When in react reality, we actually have 20 different combinations. And so the idea of like the gender binary all by itself is like really ridiculous. But that being said, like there's when this person went through the testing of their hormones, because they had a lot, they started losing hair. They started like um, having weight fluctuations, but they also started having like um, hot flashes mm -hmm. and they couldn't figure out what was happening for them. So it turned out they did a chromosomal test and this person had an, had an XXY. So their chromosomes were not, they, they weren't the age for perimenopause. It, their chromosomes were dictating what was happening with their hormones. Oh, wow. And so the way that the doctors were treating them was like a like woman, man, but it, oh. that wasn't at all what was happening in their chromosome. Wow, it's way more complex than we even know. Yeah. I, I, Gosh. <laughs> My mind has been blown a few times in this episode. I am not, I'm almost like I wish this episode could come out sooner because this is like out of control. <laughs> All the information we're getting. Yeah, I, we, I wanted, we need so much more science, like information when we're younger. Like that's, we that's what it boils down to. Oh my we God. Really I remember do. my high school when I was taking sex education, all the only information we ever got was this is chlamydia. This mm -hmm. is gonorrhea. Mm -hmm. yep. How a baby is born. Goodbye. Goodbye. Not and complexity. don't do it. And don't, and don't do, do it. it. Not the yep. complexity of sexuality, not the complexity of um, desire, cells. not the cells, nothing. <laughs> like, absolutely, it was like very basic. And it's almost like you wonder why people are getting pregnant left and right or doing interesting things sexually. Because we just, we're just like almost. Why ignorant. are we teaching sex ed separately from biology? Is what I want to know. Yeah. Why? I mean, right. it's one and the why? same. It's like. <laughs> We all fucking hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we don't learn about that in biology. It's mostly just about, you know, organisms, plants, and mm -hmm. that's about it. But what the we it's like what are we? we? We push the body into this little closet and don't really uh -huh. talk about it unless we absolutely have to. And when we do, someone is shaming at the exact same time that they're telling exactly. us about. Exactly. Exactly. It's wild. <gasps> I have a weird, it's like a weird question. So sexually for some people. Mm -hmm. They like to, um, in their, when they're having sex, they're being intimate. They like to reenact things that are in, let's say, porn videos, whether they're with a partner mm -hmm. or with a stranger. There are times where some people, I don't know if it's the same with women and other kinds of, I'm only speaking from gay men. I've mm -hmm. noticed that when it comes to maybe completion or mm -hmm. maybe even the act of, they're mimicking a lot of what they see in the videos. And oftentimes mm -hmm. they cannot come to completion if it's not identical mm -hmm. or at least close to what they've mm -hmm. seen. Mm -hmm. What do you think that is? And what is this mind thing that is playing on people when they are having sex? So 
back to like us not having enough education think about where people did get their education from i got it from porn i'm porn. completely honest porn yeah. where did like a majority of anybody who especially anybody who's probably what 46 and younger yeah mm -hmm. that's especially with the entire requirement across the united states for a very long time of abstinence only education mm -hmm. how <laughs> and it sure as hell did not talk about the gay kid no it sure as hell did not talk about the bi girl sure no. as hell did not talk about the lesbians like none, none of that was addressed it was this is this this is this this is how babies are made and all done it's like well, yeah. well what about any one of the rest of us that want to yeah. do anything else yeah. <laughs> so i i think uh, it's not to say i don't think sexual material is wrong I, I don't. I, and we've been making sexual material. And of course, we all call it porn. But ultimately, sexual material includes a lot of things, not just videos and pictures and books mm -hmm. and erotica and just maybe audio think about erotica. the maternity dolls at the museum that you see sometimes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We have sexual material all over. And guess what? Every time we invent something, we use it for sexual material. We mm -hmm. literally did it on freaking rocks. <laughs> before we even had paper we yeah. found it in ancient egypt on mm -hmm. walls yeah. like <laughs> we sexual material is actually part of our culture mm -hmm. and yeah i apologize has always again been, for all I the guess. comments y'all are gonna get no it's totally fine because you know it's, i'm glad you brought this up kanan because even i've personally done that i've watched certain things mm -hmm. in porn videos and thought, you know what? I want to freaking try that. And then brought yes. it back to my partner and we tried it out and we like explored with it. But I know that I hear a lot from women, especially mm -hmm. that men think that every sexual encounter with them is going to be like this huge, like porn scenario. Mm -hmm. And they're like, sex with me is not always like porn video guys. <laughs> So and sex with them isn't like a porn video, for goodness sake. That's for damn sure. <laughs> like, which is why I, I don't I understand. That, well, and that's the thing, I, and I think it has a lot to do with like monkey see, monkey do, right? Mm -hmm. Like we are mammals, and a lot of the way that we learn to do things is not only just familial, it's biological, but it's also from mimicry. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you when you watch a baby? Like, I'm not, I promise I'm not going to talk about babies and porn. That's not where this is going. Like <laughs> it is fundamentally like when you watch it, when you do a thing with a baby, like if you do like, you know, like little like sock puppet hands, or if you mm -hmm. do like squeeze hands, they'll mm -hmm. mimic you. They will yeah. watch you and they'll mimic your face and they'll do the, what, what do you think we're humans are doing with, with porn? We're mimicking yeah. what we see and it isn't necessarily bad until not everybody has given consent for that to happen. Yeah. Uh, and I think a majority of humans have never seen what it takes to actually make a porn. <laughs> That's or, for, I for think, sure. I think it just, it, it, it creates this world where people miss out on connecting with one another because we're not actually mm. asking our partner mm. what actually turns them on. We're just assuming, yes. oh, I know you want to be treated like that little twink in that video I saw getting jammed in a corner and, you know, banged down. It's like, actually, no, I don't want that. Or there's this misconception. Everybody wants a big cock up inside of them. But no, some people no. actually don't want that. That's actually quite painful, you know? Yes. So it's like there's yes. this misconception Agreed. that it creates. <laughs> 
And do you think that there's a conditioning that can happen? Like, can you self-condition yourself to only want sex a certain kind of way? Like, if you look well, at it I, so I think much. We can, I think we can create repetition in the brain with a lot of shit. Okay. Porn, porn and anything else. Okay. You know how many people I am, I am teaching just trying to help them not treat their inner self like a piece of shit? Like mm. that too. Like it's, it's, uh, I think we want to take sex and make it this, this unique thing because it's been made taboo, especially in the United States for so long. We want to create yeah. this box around it and say, well, it's unique to this. No, <laughs> the same people who are like doing only one, one rhythmic, very specific patterned way to have any kind of sex mm -hmm. are doing the same kinds of patterns in their head about themselves, right? Like, mm. Our brain is is incredibly flexible. There's actually a really good book out that's um, new by uh, David Eagleman. It's called Livewired, and it's about like more of the more recent neuroscience about what we know about the brain and its ability to ability to be malleable. Mm -hmm. So, it when we think a thing again and again and again, it's like you you have created a physical pathway in your brain. You've created something in your brain. You can't see it, but you've created a physical pathway in your brain. So when you're trying to create something new, very difficult because you still have that branch that mm -hmm. you created before that the brain is like, but this is easier. <laughs> the brain is an association machine. It goes, mm -hmm. oh, here's an easy way. Here's an easy way. Here's an easy way. It moves information quickly, not accurately. It is a thinking machine. It is made to move information quickly, not accurately. Hmm. So you could actually, let's say I'm the kind of guy, oh, my brain is just frying right now. <laughs> I told you nerd and when I start uh, it's like verbal diarrhea <laughs> no because it just has me thinking about I mean Andre go ahead I feel like I've been like dominating the conversation <laughs> no you know that just totally made me wonder about so many other things when it comes to sex and yeah. you know something that came to mind was um sexual asphyxiation right mm, yes when or BDSM or anything mm -hmm. of that realm. Um, yes. And Which how is a lot more common than people think, by the way. It absolutely it is. is. Oh, I, really? I, yeah. And it's actually one of the top things we fantasize about too, is a collective. Yeah. So huh. is it normal? <laughs> is it natural? Is it acceptable? I guess yes. that's really- yes, 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 and yes. As long as everybody's on board, right? Like that's, that's the piece that really, really, really matters. Are all the adults involved? And I do mean adults, y'all, like 18 and over. Yeah, like with consent. Not, with <laughs> consent and consent along the way. Like, yeah. hey, yo, how are you feeling about this? Oh, is this sexy? Do you like this? Oh, mm -hmm. is it good when I touch you like this? Do you like it when I do this? Like, and I, I'm telling y'all, do not play with sexual asphyxiation. I can't do it either, Andrew. <laughs> Mouthful. Is that where you like uh, so hold like consonants? Is where you hold uh, con um, affect your breathing choking. or something? You're choking yeah. yourself. Usually, oh, okay. it's it, it. You know, uh, I'm dating myself here really quick. Um, it's how David Carradine died, the mm. guy from Kill Bill. Uh... Died from sexual asphyxiation. Um, 
and it's not to put him out there on blast, but I think that it, I, I think him dying that way, like put it out there that, oh, like there's actually a lot of people that really do like choking or like, yeah. like pressure or like to feel like their breath is being taken away. Yeah. Like there is a taboo, right? Like there, mm-hmm. what do we love to play with as humans? Fire. The taboo, fire. <laughs> How risky can we get it? Is yeah. it, oh, could I get caught? Oh, is somebody going to watch me? Mm-hmm. Oh, is it? Uh, Dr. Justin Lee Miller made a, uh, wrote a wonderful book called Tell Me What You Want. And it's all about our fantasies. Y'all go read it. It's so good. And he actually did, because I, I've t- he, uh, Justin's been on my show, but he also, um, he did a training with us and he showed this amazing word cloud. Like it was just so helpful to kind of just see, it's just this visual representation of all of the words that people are, are often using to describe the things that they are fantasizing about. And BDSM is one of the biggest ones. Kink hmm. is one of the biggest ones. Having group sex is one of the biggest ones. And hmm. it's because we have these fantasies about being, uh, having all of the sexual attention on us so, and, and group sex, at least as far as our definition goes, is uh, any more than two. So threesomes and up, right? Okay. So we're all fantasizing about a lot of these different kinds of things, themes. And BDSM we're fi- fantasizing about because of the riskiness to any of the behaviors or the taboo nature of any of the behaviors, or even the power dynamics we're masturbating yeah. to. Yeah, because power and how you give up power or take power can be really, really sexy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it becomes problematic when not everybody's on board. Like some men who become really successful and that kind of manifests its way through like Mm -hmm. their sex energy. And it almost gets to a point where it's like they have to constantly, I'm, this is just me saying this, but they have to constantly mm. be having sex. And if they're not having sex, they're not being like, um, uh, I guess you would say they're if they're not being praised in that way, mm-hmm. they feel like they're missing out on something. It's like the more they conquer, the better they feel. And once that starts to wane, then their mm-hmm. self-value starts to deflate with that. Yeah. I find it interesting sometimes of how so much of our self-worth Mm-hmm. at time is linked to our sexual desire. Because even for myself, yeah. some days, I'm thinking that I could be wanting sex, but no, I want to be sexually desired, which yes. is like two different things. It's like, I could be thinking, oh, do I want to masturbate? No, not really. I just want someone to look at me and be like, oh, he is sexy. I want him. What but is but, that? But, but let's break that down. Like, I want to be desired. Mm-hmm. What does that even mean to you? I think on a deeper level, it's, I want to feel like, I don't know. I know sex is something we all want. So I guess yeah. in my way, I want to feel like I, people want me to be a part of that sex for them. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it comes from me feeling like I wasn't a part of what we were talking about earlier, um, yeah. our clan, the community. Yes. And maybe for that, I'm equating my sex appeal, because in a gay community, it's, I mean, the sexier you are, the easier your life. And mm-hmm. in the rest of the world, the sexier you are, the easier your life. Yes. So even for certain people where they start to age, people start to say, oh, you lost it. We got to go for the younger ones. And that's purely Ooh. based on sexual desire. And I'm just starting mm-hmm. to feel like so much of the world mm-hmm. is in some way, shape, or form linked to sex 
So mm-hmm. I feel like if I have this sexual desire that people want to fuck me, then mm-hmm. I have a better chance of maybe being an act, a, a, a working actor, being mm-hmm. more successful, having yeah. better networking skills, having mm-hmm. more self-confidence when I'm meeting people. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are men who think that if their dick was bigger, they have a better life when really that has mm-hmm. nothing to do with it. No, I mean, and I hate to, I, I know this person is attracted to some people, but I always think about like, what you, what, what each one of us finds us to be attractive is very different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, and the, I think there is this kind of cultural myth that we all have this understanding of what attractiveness is, is it, mm-hmm. it's really, really upsetting. And um, I'm, I hate that I'm, I know I'm the white lady saying this, but it's also based in whiteness a lot of the time. Like what is attractive, at least what we put out into the media and what we decided, especially before, before today, (laughs) the prior 20 years, there was a lot of white faces on television. There was a lot of white faces shown as the most sexy person alive, right? Yeah. Here in the United States. Yeah. So desire is, is really unique to each one of us. And the more that we allow ourselves to understand that what we desire individually is okay. And two, the more that you understand what your partner or partners desire, it may not be at all what you think it's supposed to be in quotation marks. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like, I can't. I'm supposed to, as, as, a, as a woman, I am supposed to um, desire um, the, the high school football quarterback guy Mm. that dude was the most annoying fucking human being alive to me super douche super douche in my world i was always attracted to nerdy girls and Mm -hmm. nerdy boys and Mm. i ended up marrying a very hairy tall nerdy boy Mm. (laughs) (laughs) that's what i desire that is Mm. where my desire sits as far as appearance, as a part, as, as a, as a part, physical appearance goes, mm-hmm. but I also desire intellectual prowess. Woo. Ah, girl boner for me in a real quick minute. Some, if, if somebody who's talking to me is smart, oh, it's like, mm. I'm just, I'm like, ugh. especially My, nowadays where it seems like, you know, brain skills are like, going out the door (laughs) it's like critical thinking they're always saying people should have more critical thinking i'm like i wish yes (laughs) and i really well i i do think that there is a problem with how we we have uh, of course like we could be here all day how the media has really really fucked up and put gasoline on like uh creating teams yeah um but I don't want to go too far off the path, but I think it is important to understand that um, we don't teach critical thinking skills until roughly high school, college. Yeah. We don't teach people how to evaluate sources until roughly high school, college. Mm -hmm. Why do we wait so long? Why do we wait so long when we are, 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 especially our kids now are on the fire hose of the internet? Pretty much. I mean, they're like four years old having a full-blown education and whatever topic mm -hmm. they want because of Wikipedia. 
<laughs> my, my kid love uh, Kierkegaard. I don't know if y'all have ever seen it. It's like an animated, it's like an animated educational show. He loves to learn about black holes. That kid knows more about black holes than I have ever known in my entire life. <laughs> entire life. And because of YouTube and because of the, that mm-hmm. wonderful, wow. that wonderful access. But the other side of that is, is that the, how is a kid supposed to know? How is an adult supposed to know what a source, what a reliable source looks like if you've never, ever been taught how to do that? This that was true. like, that was like day, like day one English honors in my freshman year. Yeah. And like, not everyone goes to college. So no. what about those who don't finish high school and those who don't attend college? Exactly. Yeah, there's some cl- courses I took in college. I'm just sitting here like, why isn't this being taught at least in the exactly. eighth grade? And it's just oh, a yeah. shame that you have to wait until you're able to spend all this extra money, which is fine. I am not yeah. against the higher education, but it's mm-hmm. just a real disservice to people mm-hmm. and their critical thinking skills and, yes. and their common sense skills, honestly, to, yes. to keep all of this information away from people. And I feel like The things we talked about today, whether it's about, you know, the stuff we do sexually or the way we conduct ourselves, the way I think Mm -hmm. of myself in this place, in this world, or what you thought about yourself. I feel like it all comes from this weird miseducation and misinformation Mm -hmm. that we are plagued with in America, because Mm -hmm. unless you are someone that actually actively Mm -hmm. seeks out further education or more information about something, we are all going on oh, this is what I learned in a porn or this is what I Mm -hmm. saw on Oprah or this Mm -hmm. is what Joe Rogan talked about. And it's just like, (laughs) you have to go further than that. You have to check the sources, check, you know, I could go on forever about that, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Well, and most of us, um, most of us are working 40 or more hours a week. Mm -hmm. Most of us are... Uh, either uh, raising your own families or you're a single person or you're in a roommate situation and you're just trying to get through the day. Like you're mm-hmm. just trying to get through it mm-hmm. and like verifying all the sources. <laughs> that takes seems time. Like a, a lot yeah. of time and a lot of effort. We don't even have time to masturbate. When am I going to find Shit. time to check your sources? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like if you get five minutes in to rub one out in the, in the morning, like you don't. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, this is rent. I don't know if women have an equivalent, uh, something that's equal to this. Mm. Men who can be um, premature ejaculators, let's say, mm. where it's mm-hmm. like you get so excited about the sex that it happens right away. Like, is there mm. is there something that women go through that's kind of the equivalency of that? I mean, yes, uh, but it's often not seen as a problem in quotation marks, right? Okay, because um, many times a vulva is being penetrated. So the, the vulva can keep being penetrated often. And so that's usually not seen as a problem until oh. it becomes like, if it becomes painful for okay. a person who's like having an orgasm or having multiple orgasms or having orgasms all day, mm-hmm. which absolutely can happen. I've heard of that. I was like, um, what is that like? Like, can you imagine like all of those nerve endings firing all of the time? It would eventually get really, really painful. I will be yeah. so tired. I'll take sleeping pills just to oh, like, yeah. get a break. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't. Um, I think that the person, um, the, I think, yeah, he identified uh, as a, as a man, I, there was an AMA on Reddit, um, 
the guy who has two penises. I know y'all are going to go Google that. Go Google it. It was really <laughs> interesting to hear him talk about like what it was like to have two penises. And they were both, um, one of them was very functional. And then the other one was at semi-functional. Um, and how, like when he would orgasm, he would need to essentially sleep. He would have to, because of like how much blood flow would have to uh, go to his penis. Wow. Penis, is, penis I? Penis I, I like that. My penis I. So, but the, I think this again comes back to our, our education about genitalia. Like our, Mm. we're all, we all have essentially the same, very similar parts. They're just in different configurations. Mm. And so I'm going to hold it up. Um, and y'all, I don't know. They, they can see this, but, um, the folks listening can't see it. So I am holding up what's called the clitoral organ. It looks like a wishbone. It, it does, does look like a wishbone. So With the part tongues. that you can actually see is this part, and it's covered by the vulvular hood. Right here. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of this, though, is all throughout the, the lips of the vulva. And then this right here would be where the opening of the vagina would be. So the vagina is the inside. The vulva is the outside. And then the urethra would be like right about here between. Right, right about here so this is all full of ner- nerve ending and the penis actually has something similar like the entire shaft of the penis and then it has branches like this that go towards the testicle mm-hmm. so they're actually very similar in their their configuration they just they just look different from the outside and there's so many different configurations of genitalia that's the other thing i wish we would put in our biology classes is that so you could see so many different volvular uh, arrangements so you could see so many different penises and how long they are how short they are how how wide they are how thin they are Mm -hmm. so that people could see and start to normalize that our genitalia looks different it doesn't look like these these uh, especially in in porn i i and that's why I encourage people to find like eth- ethically sourced porn as much as they possibly can, because ethically you know, sourced, that's the first time hearing that. I mean, it sounds like we're getting eth- ethically sourced food, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's a fair, fair trade, fair trade, fair trade porn, organic, organic. I watch organic porn made in the valley. <laughs> With my oat milk latte. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> no, but seriously, it ple- what's ethnically mm. uh, ethically sourced source porn. porn? Yeah. So this essentially, you know, everybody who's involved wants to be there and isn't being trafficked. Okay, that well, that's important. Uh, you're paying for it, so you're paying for you're paying the sex workers, you're paying the people who are involved in the pornography. You're not just getting it for free from Pornhub. Okay. Darn. And I know, I know y'all, I know it's tough. even the amateur videos you should probably and, get away from like, well, you know, people uploading yeah, unless you're, unless hookups. you're, <laughs> I mean, coming back to only fans, what a fuck up, man. Like, why would you take all of those sex workers off? I know, it seems really why? dumb in hindsight. Like there's a lot. It's like does when Tumblr, talk did about it. Tumblr, does anybody talk about Tumblr anymore? No, no, it's gone. Exactly. It's like the only reason people went on there. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. The only reason I went on there was for Same. that. And then one they got rid of that. I'm like, what do I need this after? Now I'm just on Twitter yep. most of the time. Yep. I but, deleted um, Tumblr. I was yeah. Like, ah. so who fuck Tumblr? I mean, I don't go <laughs> on OnlyFans because I 
I haven't got, I mean, I did pay one time. I'm, I'm like, I feel like I shouldn't even reveal this because it might say something about me. But mm-hmm. I was intrigued by this one OnlyFans page with these guys yeah. from prison showing their dicks. I was like, that's interesting. Like, okay, well, I'll see. Let's yeah, see. that's all it, about. it was. It was interesting until you could start hearing the conversations in the background. And then you're like, wait, this is actually a fucking prison. Like, okay, this is weird. I need to get out of this OnlyFans page. So I had to quit that one real quick. But yeah, I feel but bad still, for like, like people have they, been able to they they ah, but look at the consent there though. It like, is full on consent. Fully consenting. You paid them, they got money for that. It's and entertainment. They agreed to be there, right? Like it wasn't somebody who was stolen yeah. off of the street mm-hmm. who was then made to be there and not paid to be there. Mm-hmm. So now they say that it's because of the financing companies. Or wanting mm. to get away from Ooh. it. I feel like it's mm. backed behind some kind of you know Puritan. What? Oh, like, either way, ugh. either way. Why is a banking company concerned about what I'm paying for? That's none yeah. of their damn business. This is true. None mm-hmm. of their business. I feel very strongly about this. I also that feel is very, actually very, true. very, very strongly about, I, because I, I have friends and I have people who I, I have worked with who are sex workers, who chose to be sex workers, who were not mm. trafficked. Who, yeah who help people incredibly like yeah. they can do work with a person that I can't as a therapist who cannot touch people. Yeah. I think I've it's great people who are sexual surrogates who, who can, who can have me and the client and the sex surrogate right. can have a session and I can help the sex surrogate will make some agreements with the client to be able to maybe they're a person who is 42 years old, who's never had any sexual experiences. That's why I think it's really good for to pick a filmmaker or a production company that you really resonate with. Like, here's Mm -hmm. an example. I'll give you mine. (laughs) Now everyone's going to know who I watch. Uh, (laughs) Erica Lust. I don't know if you've heard of her. (gasps) Yes. Thank God. She makes amazing. Yeah. Her work is incredible. She incredible work. Um, I found her because Netflix did um, a show, an episode about her. And so then I researched her and looked her up and I was just like, I I love her work. It's amazing. Um, And she's an ethically sourced producer and filmmaker Mm -hmm. because for one, I love her approach. I mean, it's still, it's still typical porn. You're still getting Mm -hmm. everything, you know, that you could want from porn, but it's, you can tell it's all consensual. Yes. And a lot of it is about making sure that if it's men and women, that the woman is being pleased. Yes. Orgasms are real. That's what I love about uh, Belisa. B-E-L-E-S-A. Also wonderful, ethically uh, sourced. Uh, Pink TV is another one that's Mm -hmm. really, really great. Um, That again, these, all the people are want to be there. They're paid to be there. And all the pleasure that's on the film that you are seeing is real. Yeah. It's amazing. It's not like fake acted. Cause I hate those porns where you could tell they're not really enjoying. I'm like, you're not enjoying it. I'm not enjoying it. We're all suffering. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I've gotten to the point where if I see, uh, if I see some sexual material where the woman looks like she's in pain, Ugh. like it's like fake orgasm and it's more like pain face. Yeah. Uh, and I know some people are into pain. I'm not that girl. That's not for me. Yeah. Um, mm. but and it's free. I'm like, no, okay, you're not, you're in pain because you're not getting paid here. Okay. You're probably let's, right. <laughs> let's go, let's go watch the stuff where I know that this person is being paid properly. 
Wow. These are things I never even thought of. It makes me almost feel like we should rename the episode in a way. Because we were talking about like sex, uh, what we thought was sexual addiction was really just out of control sexual behavior. Mm -hmm. And I think we all know someone like that. So I hope that those listening really got something from this episode. Because I know I did like on multiple times. And if you're listening, please watch this show actually on our Patreon because the little... The model you showed was very interesting in how you explained the, the female genital. Uh, how do I say it? The genital area without sounding like a nerd or genitalia. without sounding like genitalia. Yeah. Nerds are great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes, nerds are great, but I'm just like, you know, I just. Anyway. It's cool. You're a sexy nerd now. That's yeah. all. I am. Sex nerd. <laughs> Honorary yeah, def- sex nerd. Yeah, definitely watch because, wow, Erica. And you're going to want to see that. Like yeah. all of our listeners are going to want to see, yeah. you know, that they're listening to that sex segment of it and going, mm-hmm. damn, I should be seeing this instead. So yeah, let's go to the Patreon and yeah. your, your website that you mentioned at the top of the show, please repeat mm-hmm. it. So we know how to get in contact with you. Absolutely. Mental and sexual health.com. If you want to listen to the show, it's sex talk with Erica. You can find it on any uh, platform that y'all get your podcasts on Spotify, Apple podcasts, all things. And send reviews, like, uh, especially on Apple Podcasts, it's how, um, yeah. and review, review this wonderful podcast that I am on right now, because that's how we get found. Yes, that is how we yes. get found. And connecting with wonderful people like yourself. Uh, same, y'all are wonderful. This has been joy. Uh, this is. Absolutely. I love this conversation. Andrea. <laughs> <laughs> with that said, um, just a reminder, please follow us, give us a review, like us, listen to us, do all of the things. You can find us on social media as Date Smarter Sexier. And remember that if you are a Patreon subscriber, you get the post show. You listeners. Well, you just kind of shut out of luck on that one, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, Erica, thank you for being with us. And until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Date Smarter, Sexier podcast, where dating doesn't just stop because you're in a relationship. To have a happy and healthy relationship, we need to continue to put in the effort. For more information and a free consultation from me, please visit andrealarosacoaching.com. Until next time.